how even the smallest decisions that we make can have an enormous impact on the rest of our lives. Do you know what I mean? It's like what school that you go to or what university you end up at or what college course you take or even where you live can have an amazing effect on the rest of your life. See, I find myself wondering, I don't know if you're like this, but I find myself wondering sometimes, what if I hadn't made that decision? Where would I be now? You know, what if I'd never moved to Birmingham, for example? Now, I moved to Birmingham for a promotion, for a big city job a few years ago, and it was definitely a good career move. But so much more came from that decision than I ever anticipated because soon after I moved here, I joined a small church on the other side of Birmingham. And in that church, I met my wife, Alison. You see, and I found myself thinking, what if I hadn't moved to Birmingham? What if I hadn't gone to that church? What if? What if? I don't know if you were ever thinking like that. Of course, sometimes the only times we do that is when things go wrong and we find ourselves living with the consequences of a bad decision that we made and we kind of retrace our steps and think, if only I hadn't done that, then I I wouldn't be in this position now. It's not so much what if, but if only. It's like the time I bought my first car. I was very proud of my Peugeot 104, one-litre engine. It sounded on the motorway like a tortured electric whisk that was about to explode. Uh, And I loved this car, but I loved it. I was really proud of it. I spent hours polishing up the rust, cleaning it, pumping up the tyres and doing all the things that you're meant to do. My one regret is that I'd stretched myself so much with the loan to buy it that I couldn't afford the fully comprehensive insurance policy to go with it. I just got third party. So when I crashed it a few months later, you can imagine my regret. And for the next two years, I was paying off that infernal loan with no car to show for it. But I'm over it now. Uh, But you know, these decisions, the decisions that we make can really affect us. Big decisions can completely change our lives. And this is certainly the case with the decisions that Ange and Mark and Fran and Joe and Sam, Dylan, Anna and Daniel have made to follow Jesus. I mean, isn't it great to see some kids making decisions and to hear their testimonies and I just think that's fantastic. And kids, wherever you are, I think you've made a really good decision. And I think it will keep you from some bad decisions in the future, making this one good decision to follow Jesus. And as they've already said, some of them more strongly than others, that this decision that they've made has already changed their lives. And so baptism is how we mark that change. And it's in a visual in a very profound way. So for the next 10 minutes or so, I want to talk about why. Why our lives need to change. And how Jesus does this for us. And that baptism is the right response for this. Okay, so a very simple talk today. So first of all, why do our lives need to change? Well, you might already know the answer to this. You might say, well, my life stinks. 
I've made some terrible decisions. I've made a real mess of things, and I don't need anybody here to convince me that some things need to change in my life. And it's a bit like some of the stories we've been hearing today. I know that I made a mess, and something needed to change. But the state of our lives is only one reason, and it's a very good reason, but it's only one reason why our lives need to change. Because the reality is that many people don't have any particular reason why they need to change. I often meet people for whom life has been pretty good, actually. Everything's gone fairly well. My old boss was like this. He was wealthy, he was healthy, he was happy, and he was pretty at peace with the world as a whole. He had two lovely children who were obedient and doing well at school. Why would he need to change? You know, for some people, it's true. They don't have any sense of a need to change. There are no big issues. And, you know, people can live pretty good lives. They give to charity. They help the elderly. They're good parents. But the Bible says that everybody needs to change and that nobody is exempt from this. And this is because, as Paul says, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. None of us are innocent of sin. We've all, do you want to just put your hands up as I say this? We've all told lies. No, you don't have to, it's all right. But we've all told lies, we've all stolen things, we've all rejected God's moral law. We've all failed to come up to God's righteous righteous standards, which are, are very high. And this is why we need to change. And this change, the Bible calls repentance. It means to turn around, to change the direction of our lives. So my life was going in this direction. I was getting myself in a terrible mess, and I've reversed. I've turned around. I'm going a different way now, and I'm following Jesus. That's what repentance is about. I'm not going to please myself any longer, just myself. I actually want to please Jesus now and follow him. See, Christianity isn't just a crutch. Jesus is God's own solution for the problem of sin. And it is a real problem, because sin has got serious consequences. I mean, you can look around the world and see the consequences of sin. You don't have to look very far. But ultimately, there is an even more serious consequence. The Bible tells us that sin leads to death. This is the consequence of sin a consequence which is demonstrated in the first part of the baptism. See, as we immerse each one of these people in the water today, they enter a realm of death. It's like the burial of their old lives, their lives before Christ. I mean, do you think that sounds like a good idea? Wouldn't you like to be able to bury some things (laughs) from your life? Wouldn't you like to leave them somewhere in death, where they can't be reached again. That's the offer that Jesus makes. Some of those regrets, the bad things that we've done. But burial isn't enough on its own. Because what would happen if we just buried these people? You know, if we just left them under the water, what would happen to them? Just, they would die. You know, they can't breathe underwater unless we discover we've got some fish amongst us. But generally speaking, human beings, when you put them under the water and hold them there for not very long, they die. So just burial isn't enough. They need to be rescued. 
People need to be picked up again. We've been singing about that this afternoon. They need to be picked up fairly quickly, actually. And just in case any parents are worried out there, we'll make sure that we do pick them up quickly. I'm not sure about Mark. He's quite big, and I'm a bit worried about how we're going to pick him up, but maybe we'll we'll manage that. But you see, that's the reality. We all need to be rescued. I don't know if there's anybody here that's ever needed to be rescued. I remember once as a teenager... I was out canoeing with my brother and some friends in a Force 5 gale in Pool Harbour, which seemed like a really good idea at the time. And it was all going fine in the harbour, but as soon as we left the shelter of the harbour and then started to go out into the open sea, because we thought, hey, it would be really fun to canoe around Brownsea Island right now. It's, It's not far, we'll just go around the island and we'll come back. But as soon as we went out into the open sea, the waves picked up like you can't imagine, and suddenly this wave hit my canoe, just me, from the side, and it knocked into me, and before I knew it, I was sinking like a stone, still sat in this canoe. And sinking in a canoe in the sea is pretty bad. Going down and being unable to get out, the pressure of the water on top of you, it's awful, and it was very deep. I I could do with a bit of sympathy right now. Thank you, thank you. And I was completely all alone because everybody else was struggling too. So nobody could help me, even if they could see, because the waves were so big they couldn't see me anyway. So I was just at the mercy of the sea. But what saved me was my life jacket. And after this initial sinking, and the canoe was pulling me down, I felt like I was being ripped in half. I'm just going to go into a lot of detail at this point. Um, But after I started sinking, it started to pull me up again. And I was able to just about get my feet out, and then the canoe just, I don't know where it went, just kept sinking somewhere. Eventually, that feeling of being lost and alone in the middle of the sea, and it was freezing cold, and nobody could see me, it was awful. But eventually I was spotted, and a lifeboat was called out. But for the next 20 minutes or so, I was holding on to my brother's canoe, running on the spot to keep warm, until eventually I was hauled into the lifeboat and taken back to land. Now, I don't think my mum and dad actually knew that I nearly drowned all those years ago. So there you go, mum and dad, you nearly lost me yet again. (laughs) But, you know, being rescued, being put into that lifeboat was just the most amazing Experience the emotions that I went through, the thoughts I went through that 20 minutes ago, that 20 minutes or so, I was completely helpless. I was stranded. The, the sense of fear and dread, the cold, I needed to be rescued. And being rescued was the most wonderful experience ever. But in the same way, we all need to be rescued. I mean, perhaps you even know what I'm talking about right now. You've even felt it, that sinking feeling of the darkness closing over you. Ange described that to us. Being all alone. Who can help? But actually, we need to be rescued from the judgment of God as well against our sin. Because, you know, there will come a day for every one of us, they say that the... Two certain things in life are taxes and death. 
And one day, we will have to stand before God alone and give an account for the lives that we've led. It says in 2 Corinthians, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. That's pretty serious. When you get to that place, well, let me say, I'd rather face the sea than God unless I've found a solution for my sin. And that's why we all need a saviour. It's one of the descriptive names that's used of Jesus in the Bible, saviour. And we can all have access to this saviour if we put our trust in him. As it says in the book of Acts, it just says very simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe there's a lifeboat coming (laughs) and I'll be saved. Get into the lifeboat and I will actually be saved. It's the same picture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So for us, I just wanted to explain it to you because baptism is more than just a symbolic act. Rather, it's a physical and external demonstration of what we're asking God to do for us internally and spiritually for eternity. So what each person who enters the water today is saying to God is, I accept your judgment on my old life. I know that I've sinned and I deserve death. That's the serious thing that we're saying as we put people down into the water. So let me be buried and take my sin away. It's a way of saying to God, I'm done with living that way now. I'm done with living the way I always have. I repent of it. But of course, we don't leave people under the water. We bury them, but we also lift them up again. And a picture of that rescue is what we're talking about there. It's a kind of a resurrection. It's a kind of a new beginning. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, baptism isn't just about death and burial. That's a bit morbid, isn't it? And we wouldn't really be celebrating very much if that's all it was. It's about starting a new life too. And this is what we celebrate then in the second part of the baptism. As each person is lifted out of the water, we celebrate that a new life has begun. It's a new life. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. That's great, isn't it? To be able to stand before God and you're not going to be condemned. He says, you've crossed over from death into life. So this is really a cause for celebration today. So will you excuse some of us Christians today if we get a little bit excited And if we shout and we cheer as people are lifted up out of the water. In fact, do we need a practice, do you think? What do you think, Darren? Can can we just have a cheer, you know, just a clapping of hands and just a general cheer? Do you want to have a go? That's it. That's good. That's good. You're ready. You're up for it. We don't want those kind of polite kind of claps you get at sort of cricket. 
If you know cricket, I've got nothing against cricket, don't understand it, but the clapping they do, it's very polite. We don't want that. We don't want polite clapping. We want real cheers because something is amazing happening here, something really worth celebrating. Oh, brilliant. You see, the wonderful thing is that God hasn't left us dead in our sin, buried under the sentence of death because of his righteous judgment. By deciding to put our trust in Christ as the solution for our sin, we start all over again. A new life with the slate wiped clean, our sin washed away. I wonder how that makes you feel. How does that sound to you? The idea of a new life starting again, a blank sheet... The old life, dead, buried, gone, finished. You know, perhaps it's a time for a change for you. I mean, wouldn't you like to know that, that the slate's been wiped clean? I don't feel guilty anymore. Perhaps you've got regrets, decisions that you've made that have gotten you into a terrible mess. You know, God has got an amazing way of restoring our lives when we come to him. He really does arrange the detail of our lives when we put our lives into his hands and look to obey him. You know, some of us, there could have been many more stories this afternoon. Some of us have made terrible messes in our lives. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we've got it all sewn up. But God is not is able not only to forgive, but also to help us to live with the consequences of those mistakes or even change our circumstances completely. That's the offer that Jesus makes. Of course, for some of the children that are being baptized today, our hope for them is that by knowing Jesus and making this commitment so young, that they'll be saved from some of the mistakes that we've made over the years, that they'll be kept from them in some way. But wouldn't it be wonderful to start again? That's what Jesus' offer is to everybody today. He describes it as being born again, not becoming young again physically, alas, but we can start again in every other way. So that's the offer. That's the offer for everybody, a changed life. Jesus says he wants us all to be saved and come to know him. We do too. We want you to know that. We want everybody to know that. Many of us could give our testimonies as well and talk about how Jesus uh, has radically changed our lives. So as we watch Ange and Mark and Fran and Joe and Sam and Dylan, Anna and Daniel go down into the water, burying their old lives, publicly making that declaration, and as we watch them being lifted up again and celebrate a new start, why not have a serious think about your own life today? and some of the claims that Jesus has made. One of the ways of exploring these claims is by doing something like an Alpha course, which uh, we run here at the church. It's a way of just being able to ask the most obscure questions you can ever imagine about God, and then watching us all struggling to try and answer them. It's quite fun for you, I think. But if you're interested in finding out about that course then do speak to me afterwards or fill out one of the welcome forms at the back of the room and we'll get in touch with you and give you the details of that course. A new life, an old life gone, a new start and a new life today. That's what it's all about, baptism in a nutshell. Okay, let's just pray and then parents, you can go and get your children and uh, there'll be some time for people to get changed and that kind of thing. 
and we'll tell you what's going on as we go, and we will then baptise people one at a time, okay? So Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for what we're celebrating today. We want to thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. Lord, we just pray for the tangible presence of God to just come on us now, come on this room. We want to know you, Lord Jesus. We want to know your promises in our lives being worked out. In Jesus' name, amen.